this is that what you want more energy, right? How much energy do you want? Like, give me a level. What? 9,000? <laughs> You're listening to Free Agency on the news sound of Power 8. There's no way that can be right. We have Scott here from Bringing Back the Buzz. How's it going, man? I'm doing great, man. How about yourself? Good. Um, I just wanted to bring you on today, and Coffee actually just stepped in the studio if you want to say hi, Coffee. I've been here the entire time. Okay. Like Deceptifuge. <laughs> All right. Um, I I wanted to bring you on today and talk about because obviously you're a Hornets fan and you guys definitely generate some buzz on your Twitter page. That was that a pun? Yeah, definitely. Are you really <laughs> resorting to puns right now? That was actually an unintentional pun. Um, I wanted to talk about the culture down there with basketball and obviously bringing back the name was Jordan's big thing to do. Um, mm-hmm. Has it has it changed at all? Have you seen a a growth in it? You know, since the name's been back, or is it kind of the same passion and the same fans, just with a different name and the whole history back? No, there's definitely been a drastic change. Um, the year after we announced the name change in our first season, as the Hornets, they were actually led the league. They were second in season ticket sales, um, nice. only second to the Cavs, who just acquired LeBron. So, and as somebody who was a season ticket owner with the Bobcats and then one with the Hornets. Um, I got a direct first-hand experience of what it was like to go to the Bobcats games the last year when they actually made the playoffs um, and then go the first season as the Hornets. Yes. Um, th- that, opening, that opening night back with, against the Milwaukee Bucks when Kevin Walker had those two big shots, um, that was hands down the best sporting experience I've ever been a part of. Um, and I just, including, and I know this is hard for me to say, I was at the it rivals the Seattle. I was at the Panthers Seattle uh, Seahawks game a couple weeks ago, and that oh, was unreal lucky. to be at. You are definitely. Yeah, I was lucky. actually at that game, and that was uh, that was incredibly a uh, fun environment to be at. But that first night back in the Hornets was unreal, and you know the experience, the culture, everything surrounding the team has you know been going strong, and it is it's night and day um, from what it was like at the Bobcats. I know at least something that I've seen, like not only like throughout sports, but especially in basketball. Whenever a team is uprooted and moved somewhere, it's they want mm-hmm. to cut all ties with the previous team, like the Seattle SuperSonics to the Oklahoma City Thunder. They got obviously mm-hmm. they switched, they moved towns, but they also got rid of all the banners and memorabilia from the old team. They want no ties to that whatsoever. And then I could just only imagine what it would be like for uh, the Hornets to go back to North Carolina or for a team to go back to Seattle and wear the, those colors again as the Seattle Supersonics. Yeah, I mean, it would definitely be a big thing. Um, the other thing I want to talk about is how do you feel about what they're building there? You know, the the chemistry, bringing in Batum, and obviously Kemba, the draft pick, who was there, and um, Mike, Michael Kidd-Gilchrist being there. And just how do you feel about everything that's been going on with this team? Do you like the way they're growing and everything? Yeah, for the first time in forever, and I, you know, this, this organization, um, it's even though we have the name back, it's important to point out the fact that the original, you know, when the Hornets were here the first time, that team, that organization, made the playoffs seven out of their, I believe, 14 total seasons they were in Charlotte. So there was a sense of playoff consistency. I'm now 27. This current brand of the, the Bobcats slash Hornets 
even though we've acquired all the previous history, it's still a different organization. Mm-hmm. Um, this team has, this organization has yet to win a playoff game. And I'm now 20, I'll be 28 in a couple weeks. Um, and I have not seen a playoff basketball win in Charlotte since I was in eighth grade. Wow. So it's, this is the very first, and it's been a long drought. It's been pretty hard. Thank God for the Panthers recently. Mm, um, but it's been a long, it's been a long drought. This is the first time that I can actually say that I feel like they're headed in the right direction. Now, Batum came out the gates on fire at the beginning of the season and then has slowly tapered off, and he's now starting to get a little, he's starting to be a little frustrating, slash annoying, his amount of injuries, the inconsistency. The, you know, I think he, he, he was out last night. Yeah, he's been you out know, four he, straight games with that toe sprain. But then yeah, he it's, came you know, back for one game that was out five previous. I'm yeah, gonna... it's it's been it's been a little frustrating. Yeah, it's been frustrating. Yeah, um, I, the no, injuries, you know, with the injuries with with Big Al being out and the game suspensions and you know him coming back and then going out again, um, and then Lynn just recently being hurt. Lynn has been a phenomenal addition, by the way. Lynn, but Lynn has been great. Um, MKG. What he's been doing since he's two games he's been back has been unreal. Um, and I think, but I do think there's a plan. I think there's a plan in place, and you can see the organization is starting to go in the right direction if they can. I know it's such a cliche excuse to use, but if they can get rid of these injuries. Yeah, definitely. And um, they're coming up on a really big set of contracts coming out this year. Obviously, mm-hmm. Kemba's locked up. Um, Mm-hmm. Michael K. Gilchrist is locked up. He signed that really team-friendly deal in the offseason, mm-hmm. which was great of him, especially for how much people are definitely willing to pay defenders nowadays. Um, but Batum's not going to be on payroll next year as of right now. Big Al's most likely gone. I mean, he's a free agent, and I, I mm-hmm. really don't see them bringing him back. He's slowed the game down. Zeller's been decently consistent at center. They drafted Kaminsky for a reason. I don't think that he's the stretch four that they thought he was going to be, but he can definitely be a a decent five who can who can bring it out if there's tight coverage, like against the Boogie Cousins or something like that. Yeah. Um, there's there's definitely growth and there's a lot of youth on this team, which is the best part. I mean, my favorite player on the team is Michael Kidd Gilchrist. He's only yeah. what, 22 years old. He's been in the league for three years. And, you know, him going for 19 points last night, second game back of the season, is definitely encouraging, especially considering somebody who has his scoring troubles throughout his career. The best, I think, like, the All-Star weekend couldn't have come at a better time for you guys because of the stretch of mm-hmm. games you have going into that. You're going against all the top, I believe, five teams in the East. I just pulled up the schedule. February 3rd, you guys have the Cavs. Friday the 5th, you're going against the Heat, an, another playoff team. Then you're going against mm-hmm. the we got Wizards. Wizards, Saturday. Wizards, the Bulls, Pacers, and then the Bucks. So it's definitely a hard – and you guys are only two games out of the playoffs behind, I believe – the Pistons. You're the only you're yeah. yeah, you're only two games behind at twenty three and twenty five. So you can these are definitely they're definitely hard games for you, but they're definitely winnable games. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it's it's about building what this team's gonna be for the future. We knew going mm-hmm. into this season that they weren't they weren't it this season. 
Oh, yeah, no, um, you definitely don't want to try and squeeze a playoff, an eighth seed playoff berth out of this team. You definitely want to have everybody healthy, come back, a retool, yeah. and kind of see what you have in the offseason. Now, I'm not saying don't push as hard as you can to make the playoffs, but don't kill yourself and bend yeah. over backwards to get an eighth seed to be bounced out by the Cavs in five games. Yeah, um... Yeah, that's the, that's the, actually you mentioned that's the frustrating thing with this organization and this fan base is that we've been, I want to say like I, aside from that that seven that seven win season which was historically horrendous, um, <laughs> and I think one you know one other one in recent years we've been on that cusp of the eighth seed almost the end of every season, and we just in we made it with that last year the Bobcats we didn't make it last year and now we find ourselves in the same situation. And I've said this multiple times. Um, granted, I agree with you. You don't want to push too hard to try and get that eight seed because no matter you're going to get the Cavs, and we never win. We I don't think we, we haven't won against LeBron as a, since since he's been with the Cavaliers. He's oh three. So and so, granted, we're going to get him. But I think one playoff win, one play. I know that sounds insane to hear, but one playoff game win. And potentially a series win, if it, if you could get out of that eighth seed, would do wonders for this organization, this franchise. To you know, from going like I said, from going you know, being the Bobcats, being almost in the bottom heap as far as ticket sales to being, you know, second last year in season ticket sales. It's with actually the team actually getting worse. You know, we we didn't make the playoffs last year. We made them the year before. I. This route that we've been in as a franchise, as an organization, I think the city is just desperately hungry for just one, I know it sounds crazy, just one playoff game win. Trust me, um, I'm a Knicks so, Trust me, I'm a Knicks But you fan. don't want to, you don't want to go for, like, like you said, you don't want to just completely, you know, risk injury, risk, you know, destroying some of the chemistry amongst the team, you know, risk somebody not coming back because you put all your eggs into get, get in, getting into that, that eighth seed. So it's a weird balance. I think everybody around here in Charlotte is just really sick of this time around the year being like, oh, you know, should we push for the eighth seed or should we, you know, see who we should, you know, should we just yeah. tank and just see who we should draft? Yeah, should we start looking at the draft? And, I mean, that's a common thing. And, obviously, you had noted earlier the success of the Panthers. But, you know, as a Panthers fan, you've looked at that for years. Oh, yeah, yeah no, trust me. I know all about droughts. I'm a yeah. Knicks fan. Yeah, they I mean. dropped confetti <laughs> and balloons after they beat what I think it was like the Celtics that year in the playoffs, yeah. like if, like three or four years ago in the playoffs after their first win at home in the play, and then I think they eventually lost that series. But yeah, yeah. Um, no, I mean it, it's good to know that the name is back and people are really embracing it. Um, I know myself; I went out and got my my Hornets gear, my hats, and everything. But um, it, it's good to see that they're building on something. I wish that this team was a, this organization was a little bit better when it came to the draft process. Obviously it was, I found it very frustrating that they had drafted Noah Vonley two years ago with the ninth. Yeah. That, that draft right now, like looking in hindsight, that draft makes absolutely no sense. They drafted three um, big men from the big, the big 10 from uh, Indiana, Indiana and Wisconsin and uh, Wisconsin. Within three years in a row, that makes that makes absolutely no sense. Yeah, I mean, but, and, um, I I don't I haven't really watched much this season. It's hard to get the games up in New York. I can only see them when they play the New York teams. 
But mm-hmm. um, I hear that Kaminsky is panning out a lot better than I believed he would. I didn't like Kaminsky this year. Um, but also, but, you have to take that with a grain of salt because aside from Porzingis, there's really no other rookie that has been panning out this year. Well, yeah. Jaleel Okafor isn't even playing in like the fourth quarter of games at this point. Aside from Carl Anthony Towns, it's really it. D'Angelo Russell is averaging like seven turnovers a game. Like the Lakers fans, they want to trade him. Well, yeah. I mean, but you know, you know, what's the most frustrating part is, I mean, you you know, Claffy, my one of my biggest. One of the my favorites going into the draft process, outside of Justice Winslow, who happened to fall. But remember, I loved Devin Booker out of Kentucky. Look at what he's doing now. You know, there was a mm-hmm. point where he was shooting seventy percent of three pointers for like ten games. Yeah, I believe you know, like it's the, just frustrating. You, oh, especially when it's like, oh, I knew it's kind of it. it's a it's a bittersweet taste where it's kind of like, oh, I knew this guy was going to be good, but it's like at least he's good. Yeah, at least it's he's a, good. I mean, and I've I've done that more often with football than basketball, but. You know, you know how crazy I go for drafting and everything. Oh yeah, no, that's a whole other world. Yeah, um, but no, it's good to see that they have uh, the name back and the popularity back, and they're reestablishing that connection. It's it's fun seeing the Panthers fan, uh, the Panthers players there, and you know you have Jonathan Stewart running out into the court after a game-winning shot from Kemba. You know, it's stuff like that that's great, and it's great that the city's embracing this coming back after the organization leaving. I also think it has a lot to do with the fact that they can kind of see that this team is headed in the right direction. Yeah. I wouldn't say they're one player away. I'd say they're kind of like two and a half players away. They need like two more pieces to be a legit playoff team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And especially like uh, you brought up, the, you alluded to the fact that Al Jefferson is coming off the books this year. They're probably not going to re-sign him. It'll that'll definitely help towards their uh, their identity as kind of being a running gun type of team because they definitely have the players to do it. With one of the anomalies in the NBA that is Kemba Walker, him and Isaiah Thomas, I still don't understand how they score and get into the paint the yeah. way they do, even though they're both barely six feet tall. I think Isaiah Thomas is like you know, five, he's five nine. He's like five nine. Kemba's six one, but I mean, uh, that's a, you know, I think that's a, he's I mean, like but one. Kemba did that. At, Kemba did that at college, and actually, uh, funny that you bring that up, and I totally whiffed on this. My buddy Matt, that I work with, is really good friends with the. The picture of the guy who cut down the net when UConn won with Kemba, that's actually his really mm-hmm. good friend, and I got to meet him over the weekend. And he said Kemba's just a class act and a great guy to be around. He's one of the harder working guys that you'll ever, you know, you'll ever meet. But he says playing against him is just one of the hardest things because he's got confidence that he can hit a shot from anywhere on the court. Plus, he's got. Um, you know, speed to blow past you. He's not he's not the worst ball handler. You know, everybody gives credit to Curry and Ivory for their Irving. Irving. Wow. Yeah. Chris, I, don't, I would I would I would honestly put I don't know I know I'm being a bit of a homer being a Hornets fan, but I would put Kemba I would put Kemba way up in the league as far as ball, ball handling goes. I would his too. ball handling is, is unreal. Oh, his you know, crossover and his step back is deadly. Like that step back, I mean everybody saw in the Yukon game, but because not a lot of people watch the Hornets. He does. He hits somebody with that almost every night. Well, I mean, like we say, you know? he's ice cold. I mean, he is cardiac Kemba. <laughs> yeah. You know, and there's and there's a reason behind it. I mean, it's it's unfortunate we can't call him the cardiac cats anymore, but that's gone. To, <laughs> that's gone to the fourth quarter um, lead blows by the Panthers lately. Yeah, but, the um, fan base here in Charlotte seems to be relatively split on Kemba, and 
it's weird because if you look at Kemba, I don't. I feel because of the you know how our team, the records of our teams that he's been on, he doesn't get a lot of you know attention. But if you look at when it's all said and done, Kemba will pass Del Curry as the leading franchise as a franchise leading scorer. When yeah. he's, he's on pace to pass him. So like if you look at what Kemba's doing night in and night out, I mean he's doing. I mean he gets labeled as playing hero ball, but. Unfortunately, there's nobody else going to take over on this team, and he will do it. Al is the only other person that, if you watch the Hornets, he'll put the team on his back, you know, for better or for yeah. worse. Kemba is the same way. You have a lot of unselfish people like Lynn and Batum who are always looking to, you know, I don't, not, I don't want to say pad their assists, but they're looking to give the ball away. And Kemba is night in and night out, for good or for bad, you know, willing to put the team on his back. Um, and... You look at his numbers, you look at he was averaging, like he's second to Lowry in the Eastern Conference among point guards since Christmas. Yeah. You know, so what he's doing I think is great, but unfortunately because of the record of the team and the team not being great, he doesn't get a lot of attention and get, ends up even getting a lot of hate from the people here. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't say that I'm a I, – I don't love Kemba. I'm not – you know, I'm not a hater of Kemba. I'm more of a very harsh critic on him because of – Every, because of everything that's expected of him, you almost you start to expect it out of him. You know, you yeah. you fall into what the unrealistic sports fans, you know, fall into. You know, I mean, all of us here know sports. Yeah. We know the realistic aspects of he can't go for forty a night. You know, he can't. No, hit. I mean, you look. He was drafted by the Bobcats after Biombo and to be DJ Augustine's backup. Yeah, DJ Augustine exactly. got injured and he came in and became the starter because he outplayed DJ Augustine. He was never supposed to be this. Never. Yeah, and, you know, us as realistic fans, we tend to fall into the unrealistic expectations that we read about on Twitter constantly or, you know, mm-hmm. in mainstream media. But it's it's just good to know that he doesn't let that get to him. He goes out there. He does what he needs to do. He he will take the last shot if he needs to. He's not afraid to shy away. You know, he's not afraid to mm-hmm. go in and take that shot because he's got confidence. I actually think that he's better at that shot than any other shot that he has. He, if he had more guidance, if he had like a Mike D'Antoni style type of coach, I believe that would turn the Hornets franchise. I want to say do a 180 because they definitely, I'd say like 65 degrees in the right direction because we've seen what Mike D'Antoni has been able to do with the Suns offense with Steve Nash and Amari Stoudemire and even what he's been doing with Ish Smith and everybody on the 76ers they're they're a respectable team now they they almost just beat the Warriors yeah I mean but also, the Warriors played down to teams like that. Uh, but, no, they, they they were right in the game. It was, like, 115 to, like, they only won by uh, two points, uh, three points. Wow. It was 108 to 105. Yeah. They're, they're in games, late in games. Yeah, no, they've they've never been a team to get blown out. They're the just. Sixers, yes, they have. Well, I mean, not recently. I mean, they, they try. It's just a matter of, you know, young personnel. But I'm not the biggest fan of Steve Clifford, the coach of the Hornets. Yes, and I actually had my mm-hmm. conversation with my dad about Steve Clifford. I was like, oh, he doesn't like to play rookies. Well, Mike D'Antoni didn't do that either. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I'm pretty sure if you, if you see something special in a kid, you play them. It's like I don't understand the theory behind it. It's like, oh, they're not ready to play on an NBA level. So when you put them in, they're still not going to be ready to play at an NBA level. You're just hampering their progressions as players. But, I mean, the other frustrating part about the Hornets is, you know, two years ago we got lucky with the – where we had the ninth overall pick, where we got Noah Vonley, but that wasn't that wasn't the Hornets' pick. That was actually mm-hmm. the Pistons' pick that they had 
traded to us, you know, um, earlier in the, I think the year before. But last year, mm-hmm. with the, they had the 10th pick where they got Kaminsky. They haven't had the top four picks since Michael Kidd Gilchrist. So it's one of those things that you, you know as well as anybody. You're not getting a superstar at that oh, point. Oh, yeah, no. You kind of get stuck in, like, draft limbo or NBA limbo where you're not bad enough to get the first overall pick or a top five pick, but you're not making the playoffs either, so you don't have, like, a late pick where it's like kind of, okay, you don't need a lot. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, the organization a few years ago made the decision to not live by the draft because we've been living by the draft for so... We had been living by the draft for so long and it had gotten us absolutely nowhere to go after Lance Stevenson. And then when that totally did not work and became a bust, the organization panicked and was like, Batum, you know, get rid of Henderson, get rid of get rid of Bonley, sign Batum, bring in Hawes, bring in... Bringing Lamb, we just completely flipped our entire roster because I really do believe Cho thinks that you know MJ is going to come to him at the end of the season. Like, look, you've had long enough. I think you got lucky in OKC, yeah, that's and you've exactly had long enough I here. Think. Nothing, nothing really has panned out. Now, don't get me wrong, Cho does a phenomenal job. This is where my brother and I differ. My brother wants to keep him. I think he does a phenomenal job of turning a paperclip into like a, a Ford Taurus, but he can't yeah. turn the Ford, the Ford Taurus into a Porsche. So yeah. we're stuck in this. We're stuck in this level of mediocrity where it's, it's a bad cycle, like you were saying before. And I think, I think he got the right pick with Frank, by the way. I'm not a fan of Cody Zeller. Um, Frank, I, mean, he's, he's I was not a fan of Frank when we drafted him. I was not a fan of Frank when we drafted him. Um, specifically, mainly because of what he said about Charlotte when he was in Wisconsin. That really ticked me off. Yeah. Um, he he might have been right, but you still don't say something like that. <laughs> kind of karma. He ended, he ended up there. In the, he ended up there. Um, but he has far out exceeded my expectations for Mint. Um, He's definitely been very good. I'm not mad at the pick. I'm kind of just mad at who they picked instead of who he got picked over. Like I definitely would have went Justice Winslow at that point. Winslow, yeah. And I'm I'm not the fact that they, they turned down the whole thing with Boston. That was ridiculous. I mean, um, I mean, it, it's but, tough. We didn't know where the picks were at first, and they were all later picks. But it's definitely good to, you know, a team that needs some depth to it. Um, I would have taken Winslow or I would have taken Booker, but I can't really, you know, it, it's hard for me to say I would have definitely taken Winslow because I'm a Duke fan. That's definitely, again, me being a homer about I'll something. I'll make it easy for you. I'm not a Duke fan. <laughs> I would have taken Justice Winslow. Uh, no. Yeah, let me make this easy for you, too. I don't watch college basketball, and what I saw from the highlights and all the research that I did, I would have taken Winslow. I mean, he was good. So, everybody was like, oh, he's he's too much like Michael Kidd, Gilchrist, but you're also talking somebody who in the tournament shot 57% from three. This is a kid who is just millimeters away from being a superstar in this league. And you guys could have had one of the best backcourts in the NBA. And let's let's face it that the everything it starts and stops with the backcourt. Just mm-hmm. look at the I hate to go back to him again, but look at the Golden State Warriors. Look at the best teams in basketball right now and they have a phenomenal backcourt. Granted they have a lot of good supporting cast around them, but they stay late in games because of their backcourt. Well, yeah, and he's a good defensive player. I think his defensive rating is 12 points less per 100 possessions, which, I mean, that's right up there with some of the better guys. I mean, I think Mike K. Gilchrist has 17 less points per 100 possessions. 
which is absolutely an amazing amount, but he's always been a top quality defender. Your your wing defenders in that situation could be, you know, rival of the best in the NBA. And while there's not a big man coming out this year that you're going to go after, you probably go after your shooting guard this year. Um, mm-hmm. It could have been another really good, very young, you know, because Frank's also 23 years old now. You know, yeah. and Justice Winslow is still 19 years old, which is insane to think about. But, I mean, they made that pick for a reason. Um, it is, it's going to be what it's yeah, going to be. Yeah, because he was NBA ready, and the team in and of itself, I think, like, from the outside looking in, nobody expected the ones to be good. But the team is kind of, that's why they got rid of Onlay. The team's kind of done with projects. Yeah. You know, and Kaminsky was NBA ready. Well, and they yeah, wanted I mean, somebody that could come in and play instantly. I, w- I was I was done with Vonley at that point too. I didn't like when we got him. I really, um, the person I had wanted Doug McDermott that year, but that was just because mm-hmm. obviously the the shooting problems. We take yeah, thir- we're thir- which are still here. Third in shots taken, but only shooting th- what thirty six percent, thirty seven percent from three. You mm-hmm. know, it's it's one of those things that you take so many of them and. You know, 37% when you take that many is even a tougher number to swallow. You know, you figure if you take away the volume, third most shots taken, 37%, take away the volume, we're really probably shooting realistically 30 to 25%. You know, and it's... Yeah, I remember remember reading some statistics, and this was a few months ago, that was saying that we were taking... At one point, we were taking more threes than the Warriors. Yeah, there was a a good... And I was like, that's just stupid, because we don't have anybody on our team that can shoot like that. Yeah, I mean, our best shooter in in all actuality, the best shooter on that team is definitely Lamb. Um, he mm-hmm. can, he's, but he's also very inconsistent. He doesn't get a lot of playing time. He's been hurt lately. He's been dealing, I think, with a thumb injury, or some something. I I forget which one because there's been so many. You know, against the Knicks just a few weeks ago, or last week, I think it was. There was Zeller was out. Um, Big Al was out, Lamb was out, Lynn was out, Batum was out. Was MKG so, was out. Uh, yeah, MKG was out. I, you know, I, honestly, at the beginning of the year, I thought he was going to be out for the year. So it's great to just have him back at any point and um, watch him develop. Again, like I said, him going for 19 points last night was great because you're talking about somebody who averaged 12 points in his career, you know, to this point. Mm-hmm. So I'd love to see him grow. Yeah, when he hit that three, I was like, what the heck is going on? Yeah. <laughs> I've actually made this point, too, before. Uh, Michael Kidd-Gilchrist, who, for all the defensive prowess and accolades that he has, he's a phenomenal player on a team, say, like the Cleveland Cavaliers or the Golden State Warriors or one of those upper echelon teams because of what he brings to the table. And you can use his skill set, and he can just do what he does best. He doesn't have to worry about scoring. Yeah. And if he does, it's great. If not... Okay, we have these other guys, but when he's like your second superstar or a guy that you lean on for scoring and to kind of do everything, and when you kind of need him to be your renaissance man in a way, it that's not him. That's not what yeah. he does. All right, Scott. Um, one more quick question about the Hornets before mm-hmm. before we get going. With about they're saying fifty. I'm looking at the number now with the estimated cap. They're about fifty eight million dollars under the cap. They got a lot mm-hmm. of money to spend this year. Who do you think they go after and or realistically try and obtain to build this team to be better than at least the eighth seed or the, oh, I hope we make it this year? Who do you think they should go after? I think 
Now, I, haven't, I don't have a free agency list in front of me, but if I'm going off the kind of player that we need, um, getting rid of, obviously, since Big Al's probably going to go. That, yeah, thank and, God. And Big Al, if they, if they go with this team, let's say they keep it to him. And yeah. you've got MKG in there, and you and you've got Kemba in there. You got and Kemba, who's already one of the fastest players in the NBA. You've got an, he says so they keep one. You have an extremely fast-paced offense. Yeah, which is gonna which is so, gonna play into their strengths, you know, quite well, especially when they have to go in transition. You've got to get a big man that can run, and you've got to get a legitimate shooter. Those are yeah. the two main things that I would go after, and because. Let's be honest, Kemba, as much as I love the guy, he's reached his ceiling, in my opinion. I don't see him getting much better than this. Yeah, I agree. I, I would agree. love to see him. I, I, no one even saw him reaching this. So, yeah. if this is, this is what we need somebody that can come in and what we thought we were getting with Lance, what we didn't get, and then what Lynn is able to do when he's healthy is somebody that can complement Kemba. Mm-hmm. We need somebody that is a better facilitator, and a better shooter. So you think, um, I'm looking, I'm scrolling through the free agent list now, and one of the names that popped out to me that kind of like hit home, if you were to get a guy like Chandler Parsons, I feel like that would be a great asset to your team. Oh, yeah, that would be perfect. Somebody like Chandler, I could definitely see him fitting into our offense. Yeah, I the, mean. The only thing that's kind of a, a unicorn, if you will, is like the athletic big man who's going to run with your team, I feel like you kind of have to go with a pseudo center and kind of put like a mm-hmm. more athletic power forward at the, out there. A guy who can kind of just, you know, is not going to get bullied in the paint and just go up and grab rebounds and not slow down the pace in transition. Yeah, I agree. Um, Scott, my, my actual final question is Super Bowl coming up. Um, I'm assuming you're a Panthers fan. What's your prediction? <laughs> yeah. Um, now... With the, I don't, I don't want to go into too in depth of an explanation, but I get a little nervous making the predictions because the Seahawks game, I was genuinely worried. I was yeah. genuinely worried because they're like they were like our bigger brother. We had to beat. It was like the, you liken it to the the Pistons and the Bulls. Like the Bulls had to finally surpass the Pistons. We had to finally get this. I know we beat the Seahawks in the regular season, but we finally had to get past them. They were like the bigger brother. Once we got past them and we saw the Cardinals, I know everybody was like, "Oh, they've got this fast paced offense. You know, there's no way we can stop them." I really wasn't worried. Yeah, and I wasn't I really worried like, about the Cardinals. I don't like the fact that I'm not worried about the Broncos because it's a Super Bowl. And I don't want to like feel extremely confident because it's just like I don't feel like it's ever good to be that confident going into a game that big. I granted I'm not playing, but it makes me I'm a little superstitious and it makes me nervous the amount of confidence I have. Yeah. In the fact in our defense and in the fact that we have now yeah, they do have the number one defense and we do have the number one offense, but their offense is not comparable to their offense is nowhere near as good as our defense is. Yeah, I agree. And I think that's where the I think that's where we'll, where, where they will offset. You know, our defense I think was you know among the top, if not the top, in the league in scoring. So so many so many of our so many of our points from being the number one offense came from our defense. Yeah, I mean, we need to cause turnovers and put their defense against the wall and really, uh, you know, kind of put mm-hmm. th- put their backs against the wall and make them have to make a play because mm-hmm. Cam knows he can make a play against anybody. You know, I watched him yeah. just do whatever he wanted against a great defense in Seattle and a great defense in Arizona, and he kind of just did whatever he wanted. 
I'm not saying he's going to be able to do mm-hmm. whatever he wants against the Broncos because they are a different type of animal. But that doesn't yeah. mean that he's not going to, you know, people are saying, oh, he might not be able to move the ball against them. He did whatever he wanted yeah, against think, two top five defenses. And out of the top five yeah. defenses, he's beaten two. Exactly. They didn't face the Chiefs. They're facing one Sunday, and then they're the other. You know, it's. Um, I think it's going to be a good game. Um, I would love. I would love for Charlotte to, you know, for Carolina have a Super Bowl, you know, legitimize mm-hmm. Cam Newton's career, and definitely. I mean, if any year he's going to get it, he's had a great year, MVP type of year, and he's just been great for that football team and everything. Yeah, I think if there's, I think the one thing Cam gets the most criticism for is the one thing that I believe will bode well for him in this game. That confidence and that. I believe he's a humble person, but he still has the confidence and the arrogance. Um, I think that confidence, he doesn't get rattled. He doesn't seem stressed out. He doesn't seem too worried anymore like he did when he first got here. He seems to be very calm, happy, and upbeat, and I think that is going to bode well for him in a game like this. I don't see the stage being too big for him like last, like the NFC Championship seemed too big for Carson Palmer. Yeah, I don't see the stage being too big, but... They are playing against Peyton Manning, and regardless of how old he is, he's still the sheriff. He's still Peyton Manning, so that does worry me. Yeah. All right, man. It's been great having you on. You're always welcome back. Yes, before uh, you go. Appreciate it, man. I had a great time. We'd love to do it again. Yeah, definitely. Shout out your Twitter and everything before you go so people know where to find you. Yeah, man. Um, we're our, uh, Bring Back the Buzz, 1Z on Twitter, and we have, like, you know, across all we go across all social media platforms, I think, collectively if you include instagram and facebook and twitter and whatever else we're on if it's free we have around like almost fifty thousand followers across all the platforms nice um for you guys so so yeah so we have all the social media platforms if you search bring back the buzz you'll definitely you'll definitely find us all right man it was great having you on um i'd love to get you and your brother back on when he's feeling better um i'm sure we'll be talking to you soon have a great day man definitely man sounds great you guys take it easy you too one thing before we come to the conclusion of this show, I came across on Hoop Hype, on Hoops Hype, is the top payrolls in the NBA. And one being the Cleveland Cavaliers, two, Oklahoma City, three, Los Angeles Clippers, four, Golden State Warriors, five, the Miami Heat, six is actually the Brooklyn Nets. Well, yeah, because Johnson's eating up so uh, much of their cap. But even the, Chicago at number seven san antonio number eight houston number nine and then rounding off the top 10 is the detroit pistons and i really don't know how much of this contract you can uh this cap hit you can put on joe johnson granted i think he's making like 27 like million dollars this year alone but Where's the, uh, that other like? Well, I mean, Brooks just signed million. a big contract. Why they try to trade him every year? Yeah, and then they legit and then he legitimizes himself for half a season, and they it's want him like, forever. Exactly, it's like oh, he's playing bad. Let's trade him. He starts playing well again. Okay, we're gonna take him off the trading block. He gets injured and then comes back, and it's like oh, Brook Lopez is back. Oh, we're, he's gonna take it to the promised land, and then oh wait, the season's over, and then it's another continuous. Cycle. Uh, yeah, it's one of those things. I mean, I, I would love to see where their cap's tied up because I can name three players on that whole team. I say they go back to New Jersey. I say they cut their losses and move back to New Jersey. I agree. I didn't want them in Brooklyn in the first place. No. I, I just, one, this, 
Their arena is horrible. And I, I've never actually been there before, but from people that I know have been there, it's, uh, apparently it's really hard to get through. It's it on is. it's on like a one-way street. Mm-hmm. So it's it, impossible to get to. It's the, the, the best way to get there is to take the shuttle. Yeah. That's sad. You know, Matt... And it's what's sad is because obviously everything when it comes to basketball arenas, especially in New York, you're going to be compared to Madison Square Garden. Oh, they they want they want to be Madison Square Garden so yeah. bad. Do you know how many times I've randomly been like walking through the city? I'm like, oh, damn, it's Madison Square Garden. Like you just you stumble upon it. It's one of those things that like it's right because it's right there. It's in the heart of things. You know, my first time in Madison Square Garden, it was. You know, it was, oh, wow, we're here already. Barclay Center, it's train, subway, well, it, shuttle bus. It really, it, Madison Square Garden is really the most historic arena in basketball. There are only two uh, teams still standing left from, like, the NBA and NBA and ABA, excuse me, before that merger. Yeah. And it's the Boston Celtics and the New York Knicks. I'm just saying anything with a garden in it just makes you historic. I guess so. Madison Square Garden, TD Garden. Boston Garden. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, that's that's how we have it. But um, Here's your little history lesson. Yeah, there's your history lesson. They are two of the long-standing teams. Um, But unlike baseball, basketball is not beholden on to its past. They're always looking forward and you always have to bring this up oh yes i always have to bring it up because i it's just one of the things i detest about basketball i mean excuse me baseball i could never detest basketball but one of the things i do love about basketball is the free agency period and look yes. I mean, i've been scrolling through the list because we alluded to it before with our friends from i i was about to call them buzz say what is there bring back the buzz bring back the buzz i have to remember that yeah, uh, he was he was great. He really knew what he was talking about and Does. You know, very very well spoken. I'm just going to put the two cross off the two names at the top of this list being Kevin Durant and LeBron James as free agents. And I'm I see Andre Drummond on here. I feel like you can also kind of cross DeMar DeRozan off cuz he's definitely not going well, anywhere. Well, um, Andre Drummond's a restricted free agent so he's not going anywhere because they're just going to give him a, if they can afford the max deal. Yeah, because they're already at it. Well, also the cap is jumping this year, but they're at eighty-five million as of right now. Yeah, but he would fit right into the max uh, deal then, because uh, he's not getting thirty million on a max deal. He would. And Bradley Beal, he's a restricted free agent. There's a lot of. There's not as many restricted free agents this year as there were last year. Son Whiteside is. Dirk Nowitzki's on this list. Tim Duncan with player yeah. options. But come on, let's be realistic. If they were to retire this year, can you really be mad at them? No, and if the actually if the Spurs don't win this year, do you think Tim Duncan retires still? I don't know, but you know what scared me about the Spurs the other day is Lamarcus Aldridge went for zero points in a game. He's really not that good. I, I he's mean, scared he of good. the he's scared of the spotlight. Yeah, I mean, hopefully Tim Duncan can you know. Better, but that's what I, I do. You think he's gonna have time to stand there to stay there and groom him? Do you think he should sign another deal, kind of just no. to sit there or like take another two year deal with a player option just no. to groom Lamarcus Aldridge? No, I mean, he, obviously, he's gonna have some love for that organization and Pop and Parker and Ginobili and all of them. So, should they bring but, him back as a coach, as like a, a, a player personnel or a coach? I mean, I do I think he's going to end up there? Yes. 
But I think that when you, unlike what Derek Fisher did, when you end your career, you should take a couple years. Enjoy your time. Jason Kidd did it. I mean, it's definitely a new trend we're seeing. Definitely. He's obviously not going to be the head coach of the Spurs like well, yeah. Derek Fisher or well, I mean, Jason Kidd. The Suns want to bring in uh, Steve Nash as a head coach. I mean, but I also think that the point guard position is much different when it comes to translating into a head coach than... Oh, yeah, because you're kind of... You, but also... Then the, you know, the little... Buckle Tim, jump, Tim, Tim Duncan. Tim Duncan is he's all there's outliers in every situation. Absolutely. And in this one, Tim Duncan is definitely that outlier because he he's along with Ginobili and Parker, the three of them, the trifecta, if you will, have been the extension of Pop on the coach, and they yeah. really embodied the Spurs culture and what they're all about. I agree. Um, hopefully, look, I think that he will do something one day, and I think that he'll be very good at it. Or do you think he should just like ride the coattails of Kawhi Leonard and LaMarcus Aldridge into the promised land? Well, the, I don't know. I kind of feel like if, if they win this year, he can he should kind of just ride off into the sunset like Michael Strahan and Jerome Bettis and all those other yeah, guys. Um, I don't know. I think the, the benefit with the Spurs and where I totally kind of whiffed in my thoughts was LaMarcus Aldridge doesn't need to be their superstar. They do have Kawhi Leonard, who I think that me and you could both agree Kawhi Leonard is a hell of a player, um, immensely talented, defensive, offensive, one of the better efficiency ratings from three-point range. This is the first year that I will officially say Kawhi Leonard is an all-star. Last year, the year before, I would say that the, the Spurs, they didn't have an all-star on that team because Parker, Duncan, Ginobili, they were all, all those older. other guys, they, they were definitely past their prime. If LeBron's playing at, let's say, 38 years old, he, you definitely have to respect him, but are you still going to say he's a superstar? No. No, I mean, respect what he's doing, but no, he's no superstar. Um, I don't know, and I like, I like Kawhi Leonard a lot. He's really talented. He's really fun to watch. He's high energy. He'll give it his all everywhere he needs to give it. Um, but Lamarck Chargers doesn't need to be their superstar, but I'd like him to go for more than zero points in a game. Oh, uh, yeah, definitely. Everybody has their off games, but that some he he's just been like atrocious in certain games yeah. this year. But also it's part of the learning experience. They've definitely grown and advanced yeah. leaps and bounds ahead of where they were at the beginning of the year. But they definitely still have a lot of growing to do, not just a, as a team and kind of prep for the post Duncan era because I kind of feel like Ginobili and Parker and Duncan they're kind of have like a gonna have a meeting of the minds and retire at the same time I I feel like it wouldn't be right if you know they were kind of straggled around kind of like the Pistons did after that 04 championship where they kind of all went their separate ways and kind of just kind of straggle along on different teams trying to Let's also not forget Danny Green is there and he's pretty good. Yeah, no, they well, definitely have a lot of yeah, good they're talent players. They, like I've like I've always said, I remark them for being able to keep talent coming in and going and grow talent too. They yeah. have been a farm system for talent and international talent at that. Yeah, definitely. All right, but I kind I'm just a little scared for the Spurs because I feel like they're going to fall into the two superstar trap where they're gonna kind of cling to Kawhi Leonard and Lamarcus Aldridge and then try and build around that. Yeah. As opposed to kind of, or kind of straggle along and keep what they had and cling on to the past with Parker and Ginobili and Duncan. 
Yeah. All right. That's all the time we got today. Make sure you follow us on SoundCloud, Free Agency, iTunes, and TuneIn. Check us out on there. Please leave a leave a rating. We love that people leave ratings only if they're good. Um, or tell us what we need to do better. Follow us on Instagram, Free Agency Radio, which will become active again as of tomorrow. Uh, Twitter, which has been relatively active lately, Free Agency 88.1. Claffy, you want to drop your Twitter personally in case they want to yell at you and tell you you're wrong about Kawhi Leonard and that he's amazing? Uh, no, I believe that Kawhi Leonard is amazing this year. Yeah. Okay. But follow me on Twitter at Claffmatics. That's C L A F F M A T I C. And follow me at JP underscore T R E 1 8. We'll be back with you guys next Monday on the new Sound of Power 88. This is Free Agency. The voice of Westchester Community College, W A R Y, Valhalla.